0: Thank
1: Podcast by Ladies, where we talk about Star Trek loudly and at great length. I am, as ever, your host, Green, joined by my lovely co-host, the fantastic Kim. Hello. And the perfectly adequate Ari. Hello. And today we are talking about episode 23, Taste of Armageddon, or a game of risk got seriously out of hand. This is a thing now, isn't it? It is. I'm
2: enjoying the alternate
1: titles. <laughs> you are welcome, and it pretty well encapsulates the whole thing, where our Intrepid Cube crew beamed down on a diplomatic mission to people. Alderaan. Ber- 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 <laughs> <laughs> Alderaan. Yeah. Yes. Who are playing a no-holds bar
2: version of Risk. <laughs> so you know what? The we gotta start out with talking about how this entire episode could have completely been avoided if when the people whose planet's name I can't pronounce, I'm just sure gonna call can I, them Alderanians. <laughs> good enough. Had said, you know, no and the entire crew just went, oh, okay, let's go somewhere else. <laughs> One could have argued that a lot of things in Star Trek could have (laughs) been
1: solved or eased if everyone just listened to what everyone else was actually saying. (laughs) Yeah. Just a good, solid nope. Yeah. So, I'm pretty sure at the immediate moment when we ended this episode, I turned to Ari and said, oh, Kim's gonna hate this. Yeah.
2: (laughs) So (laughs) much. But I hated this in, uh, this is a stupid-ass script, and there's- they're okay, there's some decent stuff in there to talk about, and a rewrite would do wonders for everything. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's funny, like, after this, I was, I was at work, actually, and I was, like, staring at myself in the mirror and, like, I know this is a metaphor for something. <laughs> what is
2: this a metaphor for?
1: And I was like, oh, it's, it's Vietnam. This is a Vietnam story. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, well, this is not as bad as I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> because the central the actual central conceit of the story, I think is very timely and interesting.
2: Yeah, there's actually like interesting ideas and stuff about what is like war and um, the like the price of war and the cost of war. Um, but it's hidden inside of a script that is really stupid <laughs> and full of people who just if you stopped and listened to what the person next to you was saying for just five minutes. None of this would have happened.
0: Yeah, but if anybody had actually stopped and listened, they wouldn't be in this situation in the first place.
2: Yes, and then I wouldn't have had to sit through it.
0: <laughs> I think it's actually a really interesting story. I'm not
2: you... as effectively told as it perhaps as could it wanted have been it
1: to be, because Kirk, I think, has some kind of mental breakdown. <laughs> as soon as he beams down on that planet, he loses his goddamn mind.
2: Yeah, I brace yourselves, ladies. I was actually fine with Kirk's behavior. Up until they got to the planet. So like, for the first five minutes of this show, I thought he behaved like a reasonable human. My jaw is hanging. <laughs> yeah. Hanging like a low-slung fruit. Holy... Cow. Wow.
1: Yeah. What a revelation, Kim. I know. But I really thought this was an interesting tour. And in a time now where we we are engaged in warfare through... Drones. Yeah, that this is actually a pretty apt, prescient, very relevant what war is going to be like in the future. Yeah, maybe not to the point where we're stepping into like suicide machines, suicide suicide machines. (laughs) But that we have distanced ourselves so much from the actual act of war and from the actual like physicality of what it means to be taking another person's life that it makes it purely mathematical.
0: Well, it's interesting because I believe it was Vietnam that was the television war. Yeah.
1: Yes. And I, was that, the first, again, yeah. this is a
0: Vietnam story. Yeah. They yeah. started televising, oh, how many are dead. And, because- and suddenly everyone was plugged into what was happening overseas. And at first it was this big people realizing for the first time in a, in a real time sense, oh, that's what war looks like. Except now it's so commonplace that we're completely divorced from the emotional impact. But not in any
1: real way because you're seeing it on a screen. Like, yeah. I, I, it's not to say that America had not been involved in, in wars that took place on their own territory before, like World War One, they did, they had a construction, they did send men over at the very Eventually. end, but it, and it, but it wasn't on their soil the same way that you could say that World War Two was, so they were, there was an attack yeah. on American soil and they entered into kind of the, the European and the Pacific um, yeah. theaters there, but I think that war was a lot more immediate because it impacted the day-to-day life of the people there. And it was really, really the entire country mobilized against yeah. against this threat. Whereas Vietnam, it was at first the army and then conscription, but it was so distant.
0: Yeah. And so it didn't have imaginary. much impact on day-to-day life. Yeah.
1: No. Whereas your... your there your, was no rationale. Your average individual would have known exactly what was going on in the war in, um, in Europe. Like, you would know, okay, well, this is Germany run by Hitler. I didn't know kind of what's going on there. And then, but Vietnam, imaginary, imaginary enemies. Mm -hmm. And not enemies that you could kind of point a finger and say, oh, well, that person, that uniform Mm -hmm. is evil as opposed to the person in the other uniform is evil. Like, it was completely... It is a television war. It's imaginary. It might yes. as well be
2: imaginary. And, yeah. I, and I can sort of see this as well from like from the '90s and the Gulf Wars. Yes, yeah. CNN. Yeah. I mean, it was still we were still distanced from it, but CNN used to cover these things in detail. I remember yeah. my mm-hmm. dad staying up during the night for hours to watch like bombings and air raids and this kind of stuff because it was all televised. Mm-hmm. And now you look today, we're like 20 years later, and. I couldn't tell you who, like, we know there's soldiers over there somewhere, but I couldn't tell you where they're bombing or what's happening, but we know, we're, we know we're in a constant state of war. But we don't. No, but yeah, that's again the
1: because, Most of us be, forget.
0: Because mm-hmm. we, we don't even know the geography of the countries that we're fighting in. Yes. None of it. I don't think any of us could really point on a map where it is. I can probably pull off a list of the number of times that American news channels have actually put the map up wrong. <laughs> but... So there's that. It, it yeah. is.
1: It's almost become theoretical in a way, like, the way that we treat... War used to be this all-consuming... It took over every single individual's life. Like, that was all-out war. Yeah. Whereas now, it's become... Like, it's a career of war. It, it, there's imagine, an industry of war. Can you
2: imagine today what would happen if a war got in the way of capitalism and consumerism... It could not and would not happen. No. Not the way it did, like in World War Two mm-hmm. or World War One. Especially when you think of like um, the UK in World War Two, where entire industries and the country was put on rationing, mm-hmm. and it was just a complete change of life. Well, there's... that would never happen today. And no. that's that's. I think that's what this episode is about. Is about the the separation between. Well, it's also yes. the
0: it's also the what we are willing to sacrifice to go to war, and and. and pre-Vietnam, the idea was that if you are going to war, everyone was going to war. Everyone was going to sacrifice. Everyone was going to be involved. And everyone was, for lack of a better word, most people anyway, were on board. And now, you don't need the support of an entire country to go to war. You just need an economic reason to do so. An and,
1: economic or a slightly political reason yeah, to do it. And, and
0: certainly, most people do not consider it an acceptable sacrifice for it to even minorly impact their everyday life or their yeah. economic status, which... Uh, prioritizes like the the home front over winning the conflict because there is no greater stake which of course brings us again back around to exactly what this episode is about is prioritizing the day-to-day material comforts over you know life and death conflict
2: so, and when I say that, like, there were parts of this episode that were great, like, this part of the, and this, this discussion that the episode tries to have, sort of more towards the end, mm-hmm. um, is fantastic. And that if this had been spread out through the whole thing, but this also gets, the episode gets so caught up in Kirk's decision that this culture is wrong and I'm gonna fix it. And that's how it felt to me is like, there was no, he went on like a one man mission to like oh yes destroy to, ch- this to destroy destroy this entire culture mm-hmm. uh, and that and that for me was where the episode did not work at all yes. because and I also felt that the Kirk's mission to destroy the culture and the way things were running did not really tie in very well to the larger discussion of of uh, what it means to be at war as well, I mean, a culture. It,
0: I- I think it kind of did. I think there was, like, a scale jump from the first 15 minutes to the rest of the episode.
2: Um, Where he has
0: a definite mental break? Well, I think it's just that he makes this huge, incredibly impactful decision without really consulting anyone, or, well, I mean, but on the other hand, he's suddenly thrust into a completely unreasonable situation, which itself is basically, like, what else are you gonna do? It's it's difficult, because the culture that he is, the culture that he
1: sees that he has to destroy is one that has put him and his entire crew and his entire ship to death. An impossible
2: position. Yeah. But, uh, and I guess it's it's a f- it's one of the things that sort of drives me nuts in scripting and things like this, when you don't let your your characters consider any other alternatives like why didn't Kirk say okay great i'll beat my crew up to the ship we'll fake an explosion we'll take off see and never bother you again that was never like there was never anything there was never any other alternative than you're going to destroy our ship we're going to destroy your culture
0: because they positioned the they positioned the opposition the 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 culture of this alien planet as being completely unreasonable and not Interested in other
1: well, that's the thing. They're, they're, they're a culture without diplomacy. Yeah, and I mean, even, they can't even consider yeah. it. And I mean,
0: I guess, I guess that kind of brings it back to like why they had to make such an insane, outrageous decision to get themselves out of that situation. Because basically, the writers position the the, the other side of this argument as being completely immovable, which is very frustrating as a as a viewer, of course.
1: But I think it was interesting. This this is a culture that's unwilling to give up their lives to sacrifice those comforts. Yeah. So how to the point where you're completely how, unwilling how to compromise? Would you, how would you change their minds?
0: Yeah, it, that's the thing. Is that this culture is a culture that will not compromise. That will not even argue over things they have decided are true.
1: No, once they've decided, that's what it's going to that's be, You just have to accept. We're it really sorry, that's our culture. but
0: you just
2: have to die. Uh I would probably have said hell no too. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, I don't mind them saying hell no. It was just the the fact that there was never like I would like again I would have liked to see I would like to see them try and talk to the other people, not just take these guys' word that, oh, no, 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 they're not going to have anything to do with you. Why not try calling them up? It was odd that we didn't see the other planet. Yeah, it was the same thing from um, Arena, where I expected, like, you know, I expected Spock to call the lizard ship and be like, yo, bros, (laughs) what up? There was no attempt to to no. go to the and to to talk to the other side, no. and that's I think for me where the where it didn't work and where I was really like oh my this is dumb is because there was no attempt at any other solution.
0: I feel like that's also an early Trek thing because the later on we get, the less we have this ooh new alien culture. They are unknown and scary and unapproachable to the point where much later on it's the assumption is that you can reason with them because they're at least enough like us to have a conversation. But at this point in Star Trek history, everything is a completely blank, dark, scary, unknown. So the fact that they have to even talked to one side is amazing. That's an accomplishment. So it doesn't occur to the writers at all that mm, maybe we should talk to the other guys too.
1: I don't think it was so much a writer's thing as a budgetary thing. Also that. <laughs> <laughs> you have money enough for one map painting. But... <laughs> well, it was a great map painting. It was oh, a yeah, it was beautiful matte painting. Really yeah. nice. Yeah. Uh, I think... This episode contrasts really interestingly with the episode of Stargate, where they show up to a culture led by Renee Oberjoin <laughs> <laughs> that is in a war with another part another part of the um, the planet and they've been constantly at war for years and years and years and years and years and years and with years. the Nazis
0: underground. Give away the ending But it's anyhow, been out since life.
1: And so they, they They encounter this first culture And this first culture Shows off their amazing technology And they have Essentially What are mind-controlled drones mm-hmm. And so our main characters See this technology they're like Fantastic And they're like Yes could, Do you want to help us Destroy the enemy And so they're of course Fantastic They're like Yeah they're, um, We're flying unmanned drones They're flying unmanned drones And we're just fighting each other And of course They discover throughout the episode it's That the people that they met so Are much. secret space Nazis um, and that they have essentially allied themselves with with an enemy. You don't at any point really understand or know the other culture. You only get the first culture, and I think this was essentially the same same uh, like an evolution of this episode, where oh, yeah. you're you're essentially meeting the villains, and O'Neill does exactly
0: the same thing. He self destructs those people. Except in the Stargate episode, we get explicit confirmation that they're Nazis.
1: Yeah, but how? Are so, these, it's a little
0: different. These people are sending people off to suicide
1: chambers. Like, yeah. how are they any different? They're a totalitarian, cult, totalitarian culture where the entire people have been programmed to do whatever the government tells them to do, yeah. regardless
2: of individual will and decision. How are you going to stop that? Is it up to Kirk? Is it up though up to Kirk to change their culture?
0: Is it? I think it's is it's it really?
2: To... Is it really like? Does is have is the, it moral
0: for him to watch them die? <sighs> Because he makes a really good point at the yeah. end of the episode, is that the number of people who would have died in the attack that might have happened uh, as a direct result of what he did would have still been far less than the number of people they willingly off every year. Yeah. So they say that
1: they kill 3.3 3 million people a year.
0: A year. A year.
1: A year. On just their planet. Yeah. Yeah. And so he says it's it's mathematical, which yeah. essentially they, they're doing as That well. is, well. Which is, of course, their
0: justification for continuing this completely insane practice for all of like 500 years by the time they show up yeah. which they're on a diplomatic mission which always ends up really well in original series james c kirk is not who i would send on any diplomatic mission unless it was a shirtless
1: diplomatic mission to my parents
0: well, <laughs> i mean as it turns out at the beginning of this episode we kirk is not in charge they have sent an actual real fax ambassador but he's way worse at it than kirk is so this is ambassador fox fox
1: fox is a I,
0: I was just writing him down as ambassador dulkecky I don't get that reference. Like, the no, color
2: khaki.
1: Oh! I also have khaki, khaki time.
2: I have, he's yeah. very beige. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, is this, is, is there any other episode where if there's an ambassador on board, he is, like, de facto boss? I don't know. That seems like a I,
0: poor practice. I do remember, oh, very vaguely, at least one episode of Next Gen where they have an ambassadorial core person on board, but there's a very clear distinction between this mission is very important and... I can tell it totally order you to do stuff that will get your ship blown up because the captain still gets to decide the safety of the ship. So this is an early Trek thing, I think. So they're they're this, it's insane. No, it is insane because they're going to this star
1: cluster. Um, Ambassador Khaki mm-hmm. is like, okay, in this star cluster, going to this planet, which I'm never going to remember. I blanked on so much of this episode mm. that over a thousand lives have been lost in this quadrant. Yeah. So we're we're supposed to assume that those are Starfleet lives. Yeah. yeah. For completely unrelated reasons, and they want a port. Well, I think like they, they're supposed to establish diplomatic relations
0: here. They, they actually say flat out, "We want a port here." They want to build a base on one of these God planets damn, for strategic start, reasons. It's a colonial expedition to like. Well, I think it, they want they want they want a star base as like a stopping point for other reasons in this region because yeah. they've never made contact with these but planets
2: like, before. You know, if they've been trying this for years and people they then keep dying, I don't think. That's they what it sent is. they sent a note to these guys being like, "Hey." Can we come over? And they said, "No, don't do not approach. Just
0: no, go
1: around them." I
0: don't think the purpose. I don't think that they've ever made contact with this cluster before. I don't think they've been sending ships into this area. They oh, yes, want. No, no, they want a base for other things in this area, not specifically these planets. They haven't been sending starships directly to this planet, except for the last one ship.
1: Okay, a thousand lives have been lost in this quadrant of space, and we know that within this dark cluster there is planet Alderon, as far as we know, yeah. and then yeah. planet Valderon, as the far carbon. as we are. And that the, they are engaged in some kind of war. That yeah. no one, no one who has gone in there has essentially come out. Yeah,
0: yeah. But they've sent one ship, and they want a base for sure. Fine, that reason, but also for the reason of other conflicts in this region. And they think that they're the best option because they are super advanced. No, they're really not. Well, as no, what it goes out. over
2: here is because I wrote this down is that there is uh, advanced civilizations that have never gone into space. They have been at war. And the USS Valiant failed to return yes. after discovering them. So this is, like, a direct, like, they have been to this planet, oh, yeah. they know what is happening, yeah. and it's killing people, so they're like, we're going to go set up diplomatic relations. The answer they get back is no. And the ambassador is like, fuck that, we're doing it anyway. Yeah. And that makes zero sense they to me send they, they, they send is, a first message
0: to this planet, the planet says, do not approach, using a recognized code like that the whole galaxy supposedly uses. Do yeah. not approach. And the ambassador's like, fuck that, we're going in anyway. Peacefully or not, we're going in. This guy's a dick. Why not put him
1: on a tiny shuttlecraft? And couldn't you go find an planet?
2: asteroid somewhere else to set up your base for strategic whatevers? It's basically... He's like, we're gonna go in and like take what we want because we're more powerful. He's a terrible ambassador. This is a strange suicide mission. It makes no sense at all, and especially diplomatic. It's why it's, it's, it's and it's because of this setup that I have a lot of problem with Kirk's actions later on because they were like they were told, don't come in here. We yeah. don't want to talk to you. We don't want to see you. We don't want you yeah. involved. So it's like it's not like they invited them there, and no. we're like, well, we're having this really well, terrible problem, and three point three million people are dying every year.
1: Yeah. No. No, no. It, as a conceit, it is very poor. It is. But it does essentially put Kirk in the position that his hands are tied. Yeah. yeah. And he, he's under orders. He is under orders from Fox, who is under, under orders. Under protest also. Yes,
0: which has been noted. And you get the impression that this is something of huge federation importance for, strategic, for other strategic that reasons. The not they're willing
1: to essentially sacrifice the enterprise because no one who has
0: gone in there
2: has come out. Yeah,
0: apparently someone's basic reasoning skills are failing at this point.
2: Okay, before we go any further, yes. I have to stop. Were the bags under Ambassador Beige's eyes abnormal to anybody else? Like, were those sculpted, or were they added in, or was that just the poor, unfortunate actor has really deep bags under his eyes? I think he just had really deep bags under Some his eyes. Some of us
0: are just hired, Kim.
2: Yeah, Kim. They looked fake. They looked like they don't think gave they him, were. like, droopy under eyes. I think it
0: was really unflattering lighting, but no, I'm pretty sure he <laughs> just had... Bags under his they eyes. They drove
2: me nuts the entire the entire episode. I That's a really all, weird thing to fix it I onto. spent a lot of time trying to figure out if they were makeup or real.
1: I think you need to spend a lot of time watching Murder She Wrote, because then you'll just appreciate that some people are old, Kim. Yeah. No. <laughs> Greatest show ever.
0: True. Anyway, um what is
1: it 12 seasons and four TV movies? Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful, <laughs> wonderful show.
0: Yes. Crosses over with everything. It does.
1: So, Kirk decides to beam down with a security team. <laughs> Under
2: protest. Cause no, well, so he won't let the ambassador go down because it's probably too dangerous. Yeah. The, I think he would have let him. The I ambassador says, the ambassador's, well, it's apparently that is also against procedure.
0: Um, because the ambassador says, you're going down. This a direct order. And Kirk's like, that's illegal and could start a war. And the ambassador is like, you're going anyway. And I'm going. And then Kirk's like, mm, no, I'm going to do what I can to keep you from turning this into a giant mess. Which turns out there's no point there, trying to do no that. There's no way not for
1: this to be nope. a mess at all. So Scotty's in charge, which is an excellent decision. Yes, excellent. They beam down to a fantastic map. Oh god, it's mm-hmm. so beautiful, so nice. And also,
0: that a- wall is the exact same wall that's in court martial. Of course, it sculpture is. Sculpture also-, also the same sculpture. It's the same sculpture. Yeah, it absolutely mm-hmm. is.
1: There's mm-hmm. a lot of public art on this planet. Yep, yep. Alderon very arty. Mm-hmm. At this point, I just have the note to myself. Oh my god, hats. Oh yeah, the hats oh, were
0: amazing.
2: The hats were amazing, but I was more invested in the jumpsuits we see on all the dudes through this episode. Yeah. Where they're one solid color, except for the sash that starts at one shoulder, and one pant leg. crosses over their body, <laughs> and turns into a pant leg. Yeah, It was amazing. There was, was purple incredible. striped legs, there mm-hmm. was orange, it was astounding. And everybody's wearing a mortarboard. Just like a splash of color. Oh, no, no, no. How I thought about
1: it is, like, they were all wearing a tube top that they just put on their head. So, yeah. They look like... But it's flat on they top. They look like... No, it isn't. Some of them are pointed. Oh. They look like crayons. <laughs> yeah.
2: Like crayons they're dressed tops. up as crayons. Or like chess pieces or something.
1: Yeah. It's it's kind of quasi-tube hat military chic. Yes. And there is a lady who's. Oh, I caught no one's name. I actually
2: looked this one up. Um she was called Mia 3, so M E A and then the number 3. Mia 3. Just Mia. All
1: right, we're going to go with just Mia. And she, okay, Kim, I'm glad you're sitting down for this. You watched Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, right?
0: It was Miss Dorothy.
1: <laughs> she <laughs> came on
2: screen and I was just like, "It's Miss
1: Dorothy." I was like,
2: uh, No, no, no. We saw her face. It was like, (gasps) the sun sun came out and I ran to IMDB to look up her name. Well, there was
1: definitely some soft lighting. (laughs) Oh, so much soft lighting. But yeah, I was like, I have really negative feelings towards you. And I can't pinpoint (gasps) why I
2: hated her. She was so mean to Dr. Quinn at the beginning no she wasn't you are thinking of a different character you were thinking of Miss Olive who they ended up killing off and replaced with Miss Dorothy ha in your face you got the wrong character lady
1: yeah I mixed up my characters on Dr. Quinn medicine <laughs> How, woman
2: don't you talk bad about Dr. Quinn medicine woman
1: I'm not talking any bad about Dr. Quinn medicine woman anyway I have a daughter in a place where a completely different actress and I never mentioned anything about it ever do you know why
2: because the actress's father wouldn't let her keep going. She wanted to and the show wanted her, but her father refused to let her sign back. Anyway. Ooh, I wanna read that. I one have more. an important question yeah. for Kim. Is it more important than our discussion yes, about Dr. Quinn? Because medicine? I want
0: to know what Kim thinks of uh, Mia's outfit.
2: <gasps> oh, it was beautiful and wackadoodle at the, <laughs> the same, same time. And yeah. The colors were beautiful. It was I like really liked silver the and blue and black fabric however it was basically she was wearing a pair of black tights yes with this piece of fabric that draped over her so it started out as a tube top yeah. yes and then went sort of down enough to cover wrapped around and was like thrown over her shoulder it was like the most cracked out toga you've ever seen. I was seen actually in your life. really
0: impressed that it at no point
2: looked like it was slipping. I was very impressed by that. Especially since one half of her side was not actually covered by anything. It was yeah. I don't know how the hell that thing was being held over her. Tape. I yeah. assume yeah, I assume the 60s version of fashion too. This is like the planet
0: of the tube jobs. Yeah. I was very impressed. And I was also very impressed that it felt like a really like coherent, cohesive, like aesthetic for the outfits. Even the crazy one color leg
2: thing well, looked like they went together. No, no, they don't. The, the, I thought they did The only reason that everything felt like it went together was because there was all dudes wearing the same outfit yeah. and, and color and one lady
1: there were a couple of ladies in the corridor each wearing like their homemade butterfly outfit <laughs> which were equally as puzzling but I don't understand how her outfit in Anyway, way wore any relationship to their outfits other no, than they were she was wearing a tube top as the god meant well to not
0: be. not like the, the the weird geometric patterns on her the color scarf toga, the, there was but no coherence in color patterns and no, no. style hers was very different from everybody else's although i thought that was to make her stand out but although the, the, the le- sort of drapey toga and tights
2: thing the the leader was wearing kind of a toga yeah. thing going on the over silhouettes
0: top. were very
1: similar made out of the same fabric as klingon
2: Oh, very similar. very nice. Yeah. But yeah, so no, her dress was re- was I actually really liked it because it was an appealing yeah. color, pattern right. slash crack-a-doodle-ness in terms of design. Yeah. It's and true. A is my new favorite word.
1: Uh, it's a good one.
2: Uh, so this actress before we go any further is Barbara Babcock. Okay. I love her. She's <laughs> beautiful and she shows up in original series like six different times. It's yeah, like yeah, six yeah. different see? characters. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We're going to see a lot of her in the She's next She's got a few really seasons. good face. Yeah.
1: And I am going to be strangely
2: cruel towards her every single time No, I'm so confused about Dr. Quinn I'm, okay. I'm <laughs> going to lend you, I have the first two seasons, oh Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman on DVD yeah. and access to the rest of it. I will lend them to you so you can watch your way through them. It was Miss, okay, so the reason- Wait, wait, here... did she okay. have breast cancer? Yes. I think I didn't like She's her. She's the redhead. Yeah, so yeah the I reason, know who she so is. the reason you're confused is because in the first season, Miss Olive was not that great to Dr. Quinn and she was Lauren, the shopkeep's biological sister I and mean, then she like took off on some sort of coach? like no she went off to like round up cattle and then like died of scarlet fever off good, screen good yeah and so they brought in miss dorothy to replace her who was Lorne the shopkeeper's sister-in-law who was abused by his kind of awful brother that we never actually meet because i think she might kill him But anyway, so she like rides into town all beat up and bloody on a horse and then she moves in with Lauren and that's why you think they're the same person but they're not.
1: I just remember really hating her.
2: Even even if she
1: had red hair, I was like, ah, you do not. She
2: was a little conservative at times but she was generally quite nice and I think she was one of the people who called her Dr. Mike. Oh, well that's quite nice. Yeah.
1: So she sashays up to some slinky clarinet music.
2: Okay, can I just say that these people treat Kirk and his crew very well. Oh yeah, like, yeah. immediately, They're very solicitous. They show up immediately, take them immediately to the High Council, so they can say, "You need to leave." Or there's the possibility you are going to die.
0: I also like how professional she is. They're like, they know exactly where they're going to materialize. They congratulate them on their transporter No, no, no. She says, I
2: congratulate
1: you on your instrumentation. I did not wah, read it that way at all. Wah, 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 wah. Yeah, it sounded dirty. Yeah, uh, it did. Yeah, did. Um, you crazy. Ari, there was musical cues for it. She was like, you all have really
2: nice large tools.
0: Yeah, she gets soft lighting and there's of flinky Of course she music. gets soft lighting. She's a female guest star. But I actually thought she was just very... Everybody seemed preternaturally calm, but I think that was because of the brainwashing that you're going to disintegrate yourself. Oh, Ari,
1: your flirt dar is way off. So she actually says that it is morally incorrect not to extend hospitality
0: to you.
2: <laughs> so it's like, okay, so... Presumably because they've condemned them to death. Yeah, so at this point, the Enterprise crew is still completely in the wrong because they've been told not to come. Yeah. And when they do show up, uninvited and unwelcome, they're still treated very nicely, immediately oh, yes. told there is a possibility you could die if you stay. Can you please leave?
1: Well, she takes them to the Council of Killjoys, where there's all togas all the time. Mm-hmm. And they, they're they like, well, we're here on di- diplomacy. And they're like, mm-hmm, diplomacy, no thanks. Uh, we simply cannot. And it's like, we're we at war. We've been at war for 500 years. And Kirk says, you conceal it very well. <laughs> and Spock's like, sorry, what? Yeah, exactly. In his like, uh... delightful Spock way. And they're like, oh, one to three million people are dead for many of the attacks. And Spock's looking around going, what? hell are you talking about? To be fair, it is very confusing. Mm-hmm. And then... And, and then just to
0: illustrate the point.
1: Yes, an attack comes because... Then the car's attacking. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Valderran. It's I'm, very peaceful and so very, very quiet. quiet. Like, oh my gosh, are we going to take shelter? And they're like,
0: oh, there is no shelter. Humans. The way that they say it is also a little bit chilling too. There is no shelter from math.
1: So interesting.
0: There's no hiding from math. Just like in real life. Don't
2: I? Know I can that. hide from math very effectively. <laughs> Thank you very much.
0: So. This, yeah, yes. the Enterprise crew's looking around going, no explosions, yes. no radiation. Well, there's
1: supposed to be some kind of fusion bomb that goes off. Hmm. And they like, Scotty, what's going on? And he's like, Oh, and you only that would be a camera?
0: Yeah. Yeah, G- actually gets to do something useful in science. He's like, Can you like, scan? And she's looking around and she's like, Yeah, there's nothing. I don't know what the hell they're talking about.
1: No. And then it's revealed it was a computer all along.
0: Yeah.
1: Because it always is. Always, always, always. And it's essentially like a game of risk. Mm
0: hmm. Fox, like, it's a virtual war, that is crazy," and says the Enterprise crew. They are correct, they and are that in
1: correct. this imaginary attack, that there are half a million people dead, yeah, in a second, and that they they this culture doesn't fight with actual war. they fight their wars with computers, with math. And Kirk's like, "Oh, but computers don't kill people. They don't kill half a million people. So how are these people dead?" And they're like, "Oh." <laughs>
2: Uh this is really disturbing. It is. It, it is. is. And they're so
0: calm and that is
2: even more disturbing. It is disturbing, but it's been their way of life for 500 years. Yeah. And I have to think that this is probably done, this is going to sound really terrible. Mm-hmm. It's probably done something to keep their population... Um, from exploding wildly and, met, and kept life on their planet sustainable, which is a horrible thing to say. It really Jesus. is, Ken. But, Jesus. I mean, I'm also looking at it from, like, a, a practical view of, like, sustaining a civilization over a long period of time, where they're allowed to just go about their lives. I have another theory.
1: That's Malthus' interview. Yeah. That
2: the first hundred years or so, people were not quite so docile about walking
0: into disintegration machines because math killed them, and those people were the ones who got killed off first.
1: I know we get absolutely no evidence of this. If I had to take a stab at what this metaphor is like, it's like conscription, yeah.
2: yeah. In
1: that, essentially, the government mathematically goes down with your birth date and chooses who is going to be sent off to die.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, how is that
2: any different? I. Yeah. It, no, I think it's. I think that's a good way of looking at it. And um, I would have been. It would have been nice to have seen some sort of pushback from the civilization about... Because, like, I mean, in... But that's the whole point. This what is, was the one that we just did that I freaking hated beyond all oh, hope? You're going
1: to have to be a little bit more specific <laughs> The, the that one too. that I violently hated. You hate them all.
2: What we just did a couple of weeks ago. Um, The underground bunker and the robes. The Return of the Archons? Yes, The Return of the Archons, where we got to see where yes. we saw this like totalitarian civilization where people were being controlled, yes. but we got taken in as part of like the resistance and seen that, you know, not all is, is not all is perfect and there is actually some desire to change the way the civilization is run. Mm. And we don't get that here. We have absolutely nothing of that here. Yeah, but that's the whole point in this episode, is that if there were any resistance, they wouldn't be in
0: quite as bad a situation when they beam down uninvited to the death planet.
2: I think that Kim is right
1: in that it almost needed at someone at the end of the episode to go, oh my God, what have we done? And no one does. Yeah. Kirk essentially blows up their machine, looks at the guy in charge, Mr. Beard, and is like, you're on your fucking own now. Yeah. Um, cause I feel like Mia might have been at some point pegged
0: to take that. Joy. Yeah. Yeah. But
2: like, but she doesn't. No, I mean, that's, doesn't. that's
0: one of the scariest things about this culture is how calm and how accepting everyone
2: is about the
0: suicide machines.
2: Well, I think that's to me why it felt like Kirk was in the wrong for so yeah. much, even though everybody is like going to their deaths or whatever. And that's probably not the greatest way to run your country. The fact that, the fact that um, we didn't have any indication whatsoever that the population had a problem with this, but they didn't. So, so then what's the, then? So why is it okay for Kirk to just come in, kick down, and go, you guys suck. I'm fixing it to the way I like it because they were going to bl- kill their entire ship.
1: Mm. So you're saying it is a kind of self-defense, Kim? I definitely hear what you're saying. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just... In in the Return of the Archons, there are people who are asking for it yeah. to change. But we also made the argument of... That the
0: people who weren't asking weren't capable of
1: asking yeah, in the first and, place. and in this... Or consenting it to it going the on. the people who have
0: been brainwashed. Yeah. Who are given no choice. I think it's a very similar situation in that regard. In that these people have been... Powerfully brainwashed.
1: Well, that they, they they know nothing else. I yeah. yeah.
2: See, I don't like the term brainwashing for these people because they're not being controlled by some giant overarching force or no, whatever. That's mind control.
0: Brainwashing is different.
2: This is just the this is the way their civilization has evolved over five hundred years.
0: Which would be pl- fun.
2: There's a point where Mia says. Um, she says something along the lines of, like, my life is very dear to me. Mm-hmm. I, like, she doesn't necessarily, like, if she had the choice, she wouldn't walk in there. But because this is the way her civilization runs, and this is her duty as a citizen, is to go and die for her. Which
0: is fine. Die for but her country. They they die also, for her
2: country, yeah. Which is so, fine, but they also want to blow up the Enterprise.
0: Ugh. But I put, think,
1: aside,
2: put, put aside, put wanted aside. Put aside the to, Enterprise.
1: To, Cam, I get where you're saying. You, sure. you understand where yeah, I'm I am. at. do, because here. I don't think you would go up necessarily to any soldier in any army and go, what the hell do you think you're doing? Yeah. They are going off to die for their country, for the values that they believe in, which is the same thing that these people are doing.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, put aside the entire thing of the Enterprise is going to be blown up. And what Mm -hmm. you have is Kirk basically drop-kicking an entire civilization (laughs) to fit his conception of what how they should be living their lives and that's that is the part that just I cannot get behind in terms of the way the story was told is that there's no nobody's asking for Kirk to come in and fix things well
0: Kirk didn't ask to go in and fix things either And I think that was why they made Ambassador Khaki Pants who suffered like an extreme personality transplant in the last 10 minutes of the episode why he was such a dick in the first 5 minutes of the episode It's basically Kirk is having his hand forced and then he's placed in an impossible situation where he has no choice but to do what he does
1: I think that the way that they tried to counteract this within the episode, Kim, is they... Kirk makes the big speech at the end that this is not war. That the way that you are fighting war is unethical.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I actually agree with him on that point. Yeah. And I like it's like, if you don't lose anything, like, really, then why would you stop fighting?
2: Uh, yeah. And I, I like that portion mm-hmm. of it. And I think... That, and that's, again, I feel like there's a divide between two things that this, this episode is trying to say. And one of them is the S- whole rules. thing we talked about at the beginning about the cost of war and all that. And the other is this the right that Kirk has to alter civilization mm-hmm. because he it, it's inconvenient for him at this moment in time. Oh, I don't think it's, it's, I, no, I, I don't, don't
1: think it's because it's inconvenient no. for him. I think because he sees it as
0: immoral. I mean, and, primarily, and I think he's trying to get his ship the hell out of there. I think he's definitely motivated by that. But I think that's why he feels okay going through with what he does. But the oh reason no. he does it isn't—he doesn't initially, he doesn't go onto into this course of action because he is morally offended by the civilization. He didn't want to go there in the first place. Oh, I think he is
1: definitely offended by the civilization. Well, sure, he is, and that is but his that's his primary not why he. Motivation. Motivation.
0: His primary motivation is getting them that getting off that planet with his ship intact.
2: And so one, of the, so one of the words that we used a little earlier when we were talking about this is a colonial feeling. Oh, yeah. And this is like Kirk walks into another civilization and says, I'm going to impose my my value system on you guys because the way, you're, the way you're living your life is barbarous.
0: I would agree with you, except for the fact that he didn't actually choose to walk there in the first place.
1: No, Kim, I absolutely get what you're saying. And if we take this to be kind of a Vietnam or even like a Korean War situation that yeah they're essentially walking into someone else's conflict and telling them how to fight it yeah or not yeah he he doesn't he doesn't offer them any diplomatic situation there so here's this asshole that i'm dropping off your planet because i can't stand him anymore
0: well they have a whole conversation quite near the beginning he's like have you tried calling them up on the phone And they're just like,
2: flatly, no, no, we don't do that.
1: They didn't call them on the cell phone.
2: (laughs) So yeah, so that for me, and that's something I think that that's that's my problem with this episode is that it's just that part of Kirk just stomping in and being like, "I'm, I'm changing things the way I like them. I do not interpret it that way. I just
0: simply do not. Because he doesn't choose to go into that situation. And once he's in that situation, there's not a whole hell of a lot else he can do.
1: I think that he kind of goes on his own crusade. I think the only reason why he gets seriously involved is because his ship is at... At risk. At risk. But I think after he's like, you know what? My ship is at risk. I'm going to save it. And I'm going to teach you guys a
0: lesson. Yeah. that was more of a bonus than an actual primary goal.
1: Yeah. So they there's this weird computer game and someone rolled the dice and apparently they're all dead. Oh, and so is the Enterprise. And so is the Enterprise. The Enterprise has been lost.
0: And then they propose what is, I think... Maybe the dumbest deal anyone's proposed in Star Trek so far. <laughs> I ordered your... Uh, he calls up the Enterprise uh, head... Count, what's his name? A non-seven? 7, Amon seven?
2: Uh, I don't even know. Amon, Something or other Amon, seven.
0: I'm 7 Whatever. Yeah. Um, head council dude. Um, calls up the Enterprise and says, uh, so our computers say that your ship was destroyed. <laughs> the Enterprise thinks not as far as we are aware. You have 24 hours to get yourself to a disintegration machine. And his deal is basically, we are holding your landing party hostage until... You come down to the surface of the planet so that we can kill you. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, I'm not that great at math, but. No, thank you. (laughs) No, thank you. Why would anyone agree to that? But this guy, and this is why I think the brainwashing claim is at least partially valid. Because he actually thinks that this is a reasonable proposition that a sane person would go along
1: with. Well, because he only knows his own culture. They don't really interact with other people other than to... Shoot them out of the sky, but
0: the pure math alone, and they're really good with math.
1: No, so Kirk is like worst planet ever. He has time to make a deli- delayed diary entry. Yeah, yeah. And then we take a close up on the ugliest lamp that ever was.
0: <laughs> really conspicuously ugly, too. They spend lingering, loving yeah, shots. It's in on the this foreground lamp. of like half of the shots in this episode. It's. Hideous. It's baffling and there's like a well underneath it. I don't understand it at all.
1: Someone obviously found that at
2: like a garage sale and was like guys, guys, I paid like ten bucks for this lamp. I have to say I did not notice the ugly lamp. Are you kidding it's me? It's like three feet tall <laughs> hanging
0: from the ceiling and underneath completely unattached to it is like a stone well built up from the floor. And Kirk is
1: staring at it for what feels yes.
0: like hours. And it's like center right of the shot every time they're in their like like palatial guest prison room. Which is like a third to a half of the shots in this movie. This lamp is in the foreground and in focus. Yes.
2: You guys have lamp issues. I have bags under the eyes issues.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but the thing is, Kim, much like in the Ikea commercial, the lamp does not have feelings.
2: (laughs) Okay, point taken. (laughs) So
1: they're all bummed. Mia, what's her face, shows up and is like, Well, I'm gonna die too, so you just suck it up. Yeah, this isn't that big a deal. This is
2: unfortunate. Well, I don't think she says just suck it up. I'm like, She's not happy about having to go to her death. She's not upset. She's not upset. She's just
1: like, Well, do you think I would also not like to be alive? But that's just the way it is.
0: And they're like, Uh, no. (sighs) Yeah, and which of course would be my response also.
1: Yeah, well, they keep making the argument that if if I refused, if I individually went against the will of my country, again, like, subtle metaphors here, Mm -hmm. that the enemy would launch a real attack, our civilization would die, this is the better way, as it has been for 500 years. And I think that this is, again, a really subtle metaphor against maybe going against the herd for a little while. Just because it's the way it is doesn't mean the way it should be. Mm -hmm. Um... We get into a very interesting little action sequence when what I can only describe as removable nipples are applied on the door, which makes them open and close. Like, I don't know. Oh yeah, my God, that was weird. That was the strangest thing. So, lock if you thing. press the nipple on the door and titillate a little bit,
2: <laughs> it will open for you. You're the worst person I know. <laughs> but these nipples also remove the in your
1: pocket. They were
2: like, they were not nipples, they were was like, like a a coin. little doorknobs.
0: Yeah. Which they remove and... Yeah. We also get a bridge scene, which is excellent because it's Scotty displaying... No fucks? A++ logic Uh, and no fucks. So good. So the voice of Captain Kirk is like,
1: oh, this place is swell, guys. Come on down and enjoy the supreme fun that we will have at Alderaan. Just everyone, beam on down. Literally the
0: entire crew. And Scotty's like, the the whole whole
1: crew?
2: crew? Yeah, everyone. Uh-huh. Sure, Captain. Absolutely. <laughs> hang up the phone. Is that in what universe ever would Kirk be like, it's okay, I'll send up people from the planet to run <laughs> the ship? <laughs> That's perfectly really reasonable. That's
0: like, mm, red
2: flag. And you know red that flag? You big, know that big, giant red flag? You know that
0: bit in the Firefly movie where they hang up with Inara and everyone looks around the ship and he's like, so trap? Yeah. Yeah, you can trap. Trap.
1: <laughs> um,. Which was beautiful. Basically what computer is that. like, oh, Yeah, no. that's fucking fake. No, no. At this point... <laughs> and then Spock just <laughs> out of thought. the room.
2: <laughs> Spock, Spock mind melds with the door. <laughs> through the door. Through the door. And it looks pretty funny. It's <laughs> like,
1: hey, hey. Uh, you know, have powers. You know have powers, right? Like, you're able to, like, mind control people. Like, you, we've never mentioned this before, but you can definitely Spock's do this, like, right?
2: through a door. So, through yeah. a door?
1: He's like, yeah, sure, no problem. And then he, like, he whammies the sexily guard. hand massages that wall. He
2: feels that door up. He uh-huh. feels like that nipple door him. up. Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> and whammies the guard into opening the door. It was so
2: ridiculous. He's just, like,
0: sensually sliding
2: <laughs> his fingers along.
0: He gave the door a sensual massage. He
2: really did. <laughs>
1: And so, of course, the guard's like... Opens the door. Yeah, he immediately puts the nipples on. And, <laughs> and
0: Kirk chops him, just like... Yeah. Right. Spock's yeah. standing right there. He could nerve pinch that dude, but No, no, no,
1: You have to
2: let, Sp- you have to Kirk... Hasn't Kirk hasn't had a, a chance to Spock. karate chop anybody no. yet in this episode. At this
1: point, there's also, in the background, on this horrible wall, an upside-down crucifix of grotesque proportions <laughs> with, like, tinsel attached to it. I need to pay more attention
2: to the set decorating,
0: apparently. Oh, you do. This <laughs> entire Debra planet Harkin. is crazy. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. And so... Although I do want to comment that the ray guns on this planet are amazing looking. Oh, yeah. They look like They're ray like guns. They're like a the They're incredible. And so they they get one of these razor guns. And then we s- they sneak down the hallway, like all six of them. Oh, and they all dive behind a wall. Sneaky, sneaky, sneaky.
1: Okay. So Kirk's like, if you're forced to kill them, just, just like kill them was
0: I was like, Whoa That was a very strange line to just sort Whoa. of throw in there. But
1: in the end, like how to put this? If these are people who are willing to commit suicide if someone tells them to, aren't they already dead? Yeah. In no. a way. Are they not the walking dead? <laughs> a little
2: but bit. No. No. Because these people still potentially have an entire full life ahead of them. This does it like because they have not been selected for death, they still have the potential for an entire life ahead of them, and for Kirk to just be like, nah, kill him, it's really rude. I don't- he doesn't say, yeah, kill him. He says, if you have to use deadly force, do it.
1: Well, well that- no, my question was, like, they are dead. Technically, everyone on the base is dead as yeah. well. Yeah. Um So, if a ghost kills a ghost, <laughs> is that still murder?
2: It's ghost Ooh, murder, nope. and you have to call him ghost Can't commit CSI. a crime against a dead person. Yes, you can. It's called uh, necrophilia. necrophilia. That's not a capital <laughs> desecration crime, <though. laughs> of a corpse.
0: <laughs> that's a that's a that's a crime against society, not a crime against the dead person. It's it's a moral crime. But, I'm curious, like
1: what would be the equivalent? That's, why, that's why you don't get death row kills another person on death row. No, well, it's they're still murder. They're still, 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 murderers. still no, definitely murder. No, it's why it's why like if you try to kill
0: somebody and you de- or if you like shoot someone thinking they're still alive but they're already dead, you don't get convicted of murder. You get a con- convicted of assault. Yeah. Well, no, not of assault. You would yes. actually, I think you would get convicted yeah, of interfering of with the desecration of a corpse. Or, that's not what they say, but that basically, yeah. But it's not murder because they're already dead. So, like, in a vague sort of way, I guess you could apply that either. Okay,
1: so, my metaphor is, is that someone is having a heart attack. They're definitely in the middle of dying, and you, at the very last beat of their heart, like the boom, and then you stab them. Were they technically still alive?
0: It's Schrodinger's heart. Mm. I don't know. I, I don't know what measures they use to determine aliveness in the 23rd century. Because, I mean, hell, ours changed drastically from just the, the 40s to now. First off,
2: A, I've completely lost whatever the original question was. Is it
0: okay to shoot someone who's definitely already dead?
2: No, are they still alive? Do they have the potential to eventually not be dead? But they're going to Walk into a suicide
1: machine. Yeah. If, if you kill someone, okay, because the suicide machine essentially works like a rotating door. <laughs> yeah. Person goes in, nothing comes out. Uh, which I think is actually Spock's line, is it? So, okay. Theoretical question for this culture. Someone is stepping inside of the suicide <laughs> disintegration chamber and you shoot them
0: that would still be murder I think it would still be murder but they're about to die yeah Yeah, but but killing someone who's about to commit suicide is still murder
2: and I think in this society you have to have people who are like they're kill, like their death is sanctioned under the rules of combat to, for it to count towards the casualties. Also... So just because somebody was murdered does not mean they count as a casual... My thought would be if you murder someone, they don't count as a casualty.
0: I actually think that this society would not care how they died as long as they died but from our point of view, and I think it's a mistake to try and put ourselves in the crazy
2: brainwashed people's you shoes, know, from our point of view, it would definitely be murder. No, I don't think this, this... I don't think this society doesn't care how people die. I think they very much care how people die because... There is so much effort to preserve the culture and the land and the society for those who are still living. And the fiction,
1: I don't know that it's so much for the living that it's that the culture survives.
2: Yeah, they're 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 very emphatic about not really.
0: It doesn't matter; individual people die, but our culture survives.
1: Yeah, culture is made up of people. Amon says that many times.
0: Oh, like six times. So anyway, uh, what if a person.
1: Going into the suicide chamber, shot one of the guards. Would you stop it? Would you put them on trial for murder? I don't think it's so much how they die. Is this dead Can you body. be
0: convicted of murder posthumously?
1: You can be... You can be convicted in absentia. If you're a pope, your dead corpse can be put up and put on trial
0: for crimes against the... A about a qualified, yes. But, um, anyway, they're hilariously sneaky-sneaking through the hallway at... With all the grace and poise of a Scooby Doo episode, yes.
2: Mm-hmm. And my favorite is when they at one point all hide behind a wall and like kind of like press up against. Yeah, yeah. It. And the lady yeoman, whose name I do not know, Tamara. like hides behind Spock. She yes. like tucked behind. Well, he's very them. tall
0: and she's very little.
1: It was amazing. Solid yeah. plan. At which point they're like, "Ooh, got to get more razor guns." So Spock, in what I can only describe as as a swagger. <laughs> swaggers his way up to the one of the disintegration chambers, like, taps the guy on the shoulder, grabs the weapon, and then just goes, Yeah.
2: And then just walks away. And just turns his back. Everybody, (laughs) like, everybody who's left is just kind of like, what just happens?
0: Yeah. Exactly. This is a lot of the way after hiding around a corner while they watch at least two people step into this disintegration machine, as you please no distress on anyone's face not even token distress no genuinely freaky
1: it is quite frightening
0: um and we go back to because they realize that uh they've escaped well they destroy one of
1: the disintegration oh and this is where
0: mia comes along what are you doing
1: she's about to jump in they're like oh no you can't do that uh yeoman sit on
0: her (laughs) and so they do and we get a yell from the council chamber the Federation prisoners have escaped. Isn't this the first time that what? an alien refers to the Enterprise crew as federation? Ooh, it might be. I think it might be. Because my brain sort of sat up and went, Ooh, the Federation prisoners. Not the Earth prisoners, not the human prisoners, not the aliens. The Federation prisoners have escaped. I got I got disproportionately excited about that. Hmm. Um and then Amon yeah. Seven's like, okay, fuck this. Blow up the fucking Enterprise.
1: So, they take a pot shot at the Enterprise with their sonic vibrations, which i giggled about for ages. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we could have been totally disrupted, they yeah. said. Because Scott is not an idiot, they've been in you know, orbit with their shields up.
1: Yes. <laughs> and apparently you can't shoot your phasers when the screens are on. And by screens, I think they mean, shield. they really mean shields. They mean shields,
2: yeah. And it's not that they can't fire the phasers, it's that they can't fire them at, like, full intensity or have them be yeah. as effective.
1: Yeah. So Fox comes on deck and he's like, "What? why do we have our screens on? Oh God, what a terrible
2: misunderstanding
1: this must have been for them to be shooting at us constantly. Yeah. As I have accidentally... I Oh, yeah. I bring people I'm over always, with
2: cars all exactly, the time. I'm always, like, shooting it's just people. just a
1: misunderstanding. Terrible, terrible. You guys lame. think
2: they should have fired back?
0: I'm not saying what? they should have no. fired back. I'm thinking that Fox is an idiot for Fox is an idiot because he steps onto the bridge and he's like... Oh, what are you doing with the shields up? You look like you're so aggressive. This is obviously a misunderstanding. Drop your shields immediately. And Scott's like, fuck you. He is. He also mentioned that they've taken standard precautions, which at least implies that there are standard precautions, which is the first <laughs> I've heard of it in this show.
1: First and last. So Fox says, you know, take down the shields, you
0: idiot. Is this the point where he says no? Yeah. He says no like six times. And the guy's like, I could have you sent to a penal colony. create <laughs> And Scott's like, yeah, bring it. So... This, Except I... with the shields up, they also can't locate or beam up the landing party. No, which becomes
1: mute, becomes important, and then not important.
0: Yeah, it just disappears. This is apparently based on something that happened
1: to the actor Montgomery.
0: <sighs> Don't look Who's at me. Who's the actor
1: who plays Scotty? Uh,
0: James Doohan. James Doohan. Yeah, not even close. No, Montgomery, Montgomery Scott's the, the character. Thank you. <laughs> yeah.
1: Went, during his military service, where they, I think they were doing like a training exercise. And his, his superior officer was like, shoot. And he's like, oh, no. And there's this is a direct order from your commanding officer. I want you to shoot. And he said, no. And right. finally, and the, the, he got hauled up in front of the military board. And they're like, well, what the hell, man? And he's like, well, if I had shot during this exercise, I would have killed three of our own people. Yeah. So,
0: James Doolin. Badass. James Doolin was a badass. In fact, I believe he was referred to as the craziest Craziest pilot in the Canadian Air
2: Force. Okay, but for a second here, though, like, Scotty wants to fire on the planet. No. Yes, he does. No,
0: he he he's like, we should should be, we be referred. It's it's sort of brought up as a possible course of action, but they're like, well, we can't fire back. They're shooting at it. It's mentioned while they are being shot at, should we return fire? But they can't because they'd have to take the shields down. Anyway. And they're not going to take the shields yeah. down.
1: So back on planet, uh, Tamura is sitting on Mia. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Look, tell me the layout of this entire facility."
2: And she's like, "No." And he's okay, like, "Listen, I'm own... trying to help you." Did they go back to their cell to quote unquote yeah. hide out. Yeah, oh, it's Temera. Where are?
1: Where would they not look? The place where we came from, which I think is Kenny. Which I... so at this point, I think someone brings up the Prime Directive, which I feel like we should have a discussion no. about. I, I think maybe it was that. me. It was like, you, but I don't think they did. Why? Does it, is not the the entire thing of the Prime Directive not to interfere with the course of another civilization? Kirk.
0: yes. Well,
2: yeah, yes. I, we can definitely have a talk about the Prime Directive, and I think that's partially sort of what I'm arguing about on Kirk's motivations of him just coming in and saying, I'm changing things. I don't think that's his
0: primary motivation.
1: We can argue about that or not. Should he be hauled up in front of Starfleet for violating the Prime Directive? Yes.
0: I'm sure any other captain would have would definitely have been. But that doesn't happen to James Cook. Well, oh, he's a space cowboy. Um, he says, um, because they're basically holding her while well. They try and figure out what to do next. And she says, my time is almost up. And she's very anxious at this point, even though before she's been totally overly chill about it. And he says, are you that anxious to die? She's like, you don't understand. He's going to try and stop the killing. She is not interested in this.
1: No, and I think from Kim's point of view for this episode and a little bit for mine is that you want someone to have a change of heart yeah, and at sure. least entertain the possibility that this is not the only path for their culture. Yeah. And no one ever does.
0: No. Everyone's they like they have to be forced to force. into it until they have no other choice.
1: Yeah. I but, feel like this is also a Nazi metaphor? I don't know. Have but I lost. No. Are
2: you the uh, end? are
0: you? The uh,
1: end? Are you the uh, end? Blindly following?
0: No. Yeah, I mean similar, but not a metaphor for no illusions of. I, if you stretched, you could probably
1: manage it. Um, Every day I'm stretching. So Anon beams up to <laughs> Ambassador back. Fox and is like, "Oh, it was an error
0: in our sensors." Yeah. So we actually have a conversation where he's like, "We're behind in our quota." Um, and he's, basically they call the ship and they're like, oh, sorry, it was a terrible mistake. And the dumbest ambassador in the Federation is like, oh, I knew it. Everything's fine. I'll be right down.
1: Oh, this boy fell off the apple cart like two seconds ago.
0: And bounced several times.
1: Yes. And so he's like, put down the shields And Scotty's like, oh, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, hell
1: no. No, thank you. At which point, Penal Colony, Penal Colony, cetera, penal, cetera, colony penal Colony, Penal Colony, Penal Colony, Penal Colony. And Scott colony. just keeps
0: going, nope.
1: nope nope. The Haggis is in the fire now. <laughs> we get to slow-mo Kirk, my favorite Kirk of all. Well, my tenth favorite Kirk of all.
0: Oh, is this where he's in the bowling ball?
1: Well, he, no. This is the part where he goes for a little drinky poo with the on.
0: Oh, yes. He breaks mm-hmm. into his room.
1: He breaks into his room because Kirk does love a good confrontation. I really
0: like this conversation, though. Uh, This is the
1: barbarian thing. This is amazing. So Kirk's like, I didn't come here to drink. If I did, I wouldn't be wearing this shirt. In my (laughs) head. (laughs) In Korean's hat. Mom calls him, you're just barbarians. Um, And you're killers first and
0: barbarian seconds. And he he says, says, we're a little less, we're just a little less cold-blooded about killing people than you are. (laughs) Yes, we have a joint heritage of murdering each other. Yeah, I really, I really quite liked this conversation because we get some really interesting... Like how each of the two of them sees themselves. Um, Kirk makes this desperately unconvincing show of aggression where he shoves them against a wall, where he's making, because Amon Seven is making vague threats, and Kirk's like, if I were you, I'd be thinking about saving your life. Which is, I think, just sort of a may as well try this kind of thing, because all evidence to the point, to this point, has basically been like, these people don't care about their own lives. Not very much, at least not in comparison to the overweening cultural brainwashing standard.
1: No. And of course, Amon has a panic button. <laughs>
0: yeah, of course he does. A secret panic a button. button. And-, and this is where Kirk claims that he can destroy the planet. This- and in a way, he kind of does. Okay, this Special Order 24 thing comes up. and then Do we quickly- think this is real or do we think that this is made up? That's also real. not
2: here. That's later, isn't it? Yeah, it is later. It is later, but
0: yeah. but this is where he suggests it, where he's like, I I could destroy this planet. And uh, Amon Seven's like, what, with your ship? And he's like, no, just me and i'm like mm, i don't think that's true this but is an right. amazing
1: dick swinging contest it is, between two beards at the top of yeah. their beard it is i
0: think a bluff um
1: no kirk never bluffs so he's true. like okay you're gonna leave it to the communicators and he does the most adorable finger crook that ever was <laughs> at which point of course the security are right outside like the door
0: beckoning him into the, the boudoir <laughs>
1: There's definitely some really sexy overtones and undertones. And the music.
2: Wow, 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 wow.
1: Yes. So the security guards have obviously never fought a single human being in their life.
2: <laughs> the fighting on this show, especially this episode, was not well choreographed. Strong disagree. I think you mean the kirking. Everybody <laughs> else fights, Kirk Kirks.
0: Oh, uh, ambassador, oh yeah, mm. so they subdue Kirk and drag him off because. Mm, they sexually subdue him. Yeah. And then amb- ambassador dull khaki beams down with his how? assistant.
2: what? No idea how. This is not explained. Because like, we just spent the last five minutes talking Being about like, how we can't lower the shields because they're going to destroy us. If you, you guys lower down. the shield we're going to destroy you. They lower the shields, he beams down. Enterprise is fine. This was fucking stupid. Yeah. Writers get your shit together. It felt like there was a bit
0: missing. Also, where did he get an aid? I don't know. He was hanging out in the office the whole time. No idea. But yeah, it's like, it felt like there was a bit missing. Like we skipped something. I feel like we
1: skipped a lot because yeah. immediately they're like, Oh, Sorry, you're, you're dead. Khaki.
0: So you're dead. <laughs> what? It's like, Wait, what? <laughs> what? Um, and, and this is when Spock Somehow gets his hands on the communicators. Don't know how he managed that. No, no, no.
2: I do know how they managed that because when they f- attacked their first group of guards, they ran off with four guns and a communicator. The and guard just happened to have communicator on it. Yeah, it wasn't. An, it wasn't a, it was a starfleet. It, it wasn't a starfleet communicator. It oh, it was one a, of theirs. Yeah, and they. Okay, I missed and, I think at some point Kurt tells Spock to modify it to contact the ship. But that's oh, where that okay, came sure, in. Sure. sure, I know that because I was. I had the same reaction. Was like, where the hell did? it And then went back. And, oh, yeah. Dogged investigator K. Uh, Spot calls the ship and says No dog no, oh. investigator, <laughs>
0: bullshit detector. <laughs> <laughs> potato, potato. Um, and Spot calls the ship a little bit too late saying, uh nobody, It's a trap! It's a trap. No one beamed down. Scotty's like, uh, about that. They beam
1: down to a trap. Yep. And uh Yeoman Tamura sits on the yeoman again and assumes a very business-like pose. I liked her. She was useful
0: and helpful. She was very... Got to do useful things. Very nice. For a personnel officer because I think she was... I believe it is the same actor, yeah. Yeah. Um, Spock also orders the ship out of range of the planet's weapons. Yes. Which I would think would be the first, but apparently that's not part of the standard procedures. So
1: Spock and his intrepid band of merry men Mm -hmm. go around essentially taking out disintegration chambers. Now when they approach the... They blow up One more. No, stop interrupting my missing point. So, as the people, as they go to attack the disintegration chamber, people gasp and run away.
2: Like, you were about to commit suicide. They were about to go to a calm, non-violent end. And there's a bunch of guys rampaging down the hall with weapons. I haven't thought about this. There is a huge difference. I
0: haven't thought about this. Um... (sighs) Who was it that not seen Logan's Run? Is it you? Me. It's you.
2: It's me. Okay.
0: Do you remember at the beginning of Logan's Run, the carousel? Of course. It's one of those carousel amazing, of death. Yes. Everybody is super calm and super cool with this. I mean, in Logan's Run, it's because they don't know what it really means, but everyone is totally calm. But when they have to chase people down, they are absolutely terrified. Yeah. And the scary thing about that is, A, the, the, the fact that they don't actually know what it really means, and B, that... In a certain context, it's acceptable, but outside of the context, it's totally unacceptable. And I think that that is what this is. And I think that was a deliberate callback because I just realized that the names will have numbers in them, which is a thing that is true in Logan's Run also.
2: Isn't Logan Run from the 70s? Yeah. This is the 60s. Oh, you're right. Oh, I wonder if it's other way around then. That Logan's Run was in...
0: That bits of this went into Logan's Run. I'm
2: going to have to actually research
0: that now because that's really interesting.
1: I think that that idea of people... Going to their deaths willingly for the betterment of society comes out of
0: World War Two. Yeah, but there's there's um, like specific things in this that like recognizably happen in Logan's Run. That maybe the, the name, the number of names. Other than the thing? number's name, I wouldn't
2: really say there's much. Well, in the context, common. the context of suicide is rather familiar. That also. was the Logan's Run, though, is specifically about population control. Oh yeah, it is. If you turn 30 and you go off to.
0: Carousel. The beyond carousel Whatever. to
2: renew. Yeah. Except nobody ever renews. And babies are clones. And but that's why work, they have numbers.
0: Stop spoiling. Logan's yeah. running for me. Don't really Logan's
1: amazing. You need to is. watch it. I have it, it's great.
0: Um, anyway, running and screaming.
1: Yeah, so uh, then becomes a lot of monologuing. Mm-hmm. About Amon's like, ugh. Death, disaster, lingering death. And I don't, is it more? I guess it is more humane. I guess for the
2: suicide, the disintegration. Changes. Sure.
0: If you grant the premise that you all have to kill yourselves in the first
2: place, if you, if you, if you go with the premise that there is absolutely nothing these two planets can do to end the war between them, and that that there will always, constantly, forever be a state of war, it is preferable to have wars where there is no disease or destruction. Or pain or suffering. But, but what the- if they just
0: stopped? Like that's the whole argument that Kirk is making is that I do not accept your premise that this is that this war is unavoidable, is inescapable. And I think that's
1: the same thing in the Kobayashi Maru yeah. that he does not accept a no-win situation. Yeah, which is very much part of his personality. And I think this is it.
0: Yeah, is that they? Kirk's entire uh, Starfleet career is him refusing to grant the ridiculous premise. Yes, which this situation is. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, there's a whole conversation. Yeah, it's like if you don't, if you don't kill yourselves, says Amon Seven, we'll destroy each other. And Kirk's like, that seems to frighten you in a really snotty voice. And he's like, it should, it would frighten any sane person. And then he proudly declaims about how they've done away with all the bad parts of war. They just keep the killing. And Kirk's like, yeah, well, I'm a barbarian.
1: He, Amon also says, how are your 500 people on your ship more important than the
2: thousands
1: of millions of people on my planet?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's also a bit that I really liked here where he is trying to explain to Kirk. He says, Kirk is breaking an agreement that will lead to es- uh, escalation. And Kirk's reply is, I'm not responsible for your agreements. And that his the leader shoots back, well, you were told not to come here.
1: Yeah, yeah. and that's
2: that for me is sort of the crux of my problem with the episode. Except, then your problem should be with Ambassador Jerkface because it was his choice. Well, my my problem, my overall and final problem is with the writers of this episode. Sure, obviously, (laughs) but like, and that is, I don't know, and that's where this, and that's the part where I keep getting hung up on this episode is that nobody asked for Kirk to come and change things, but he said, fuck it, I'm doing it. Okay. One more time, Kirk didn't ask to come either. I
1: will also give you that his mere presence of presenting aggressively in the way that this culture understands a third option. Yeah. By necessity changes everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And
0: ultimately, I mean, if you assume that the gamble is successful in the long run, which everything we get in the episode suggests that it is. Everything afterwards does not. (laughs) Yeah. Well, who knows? Um, that mathematically, at least, he made the right call because fewer people die as a result of his actions than would have resulted if he had done nothing and just let them kill the ship. It's true. So, I mean, they really like their math. So, even by their standards, yes. in the long run. So, Amon says, You've got 30 minutes to
1: beam everyone down in yeah, the ship. He
0: tries again with the deal that no one ship says would no.
1: Accept. And they're like, Okay, so we're going to destroy your planet.
0: See, I still think this was a weird, weird bluff because it makes no sense at all.
1: These guys are too awful to live. And Kirk says, I didn't start it, but I'm liable to finish it. Mm -hmm. And really, these two planets sound awful.
0: I think also it's because the writers couldn't think of any other way to escalate this towards the finishing of the story. Mm. But that is why I think it is a bluff because I'm pretty sure starships can blow up planets.
1: Pretty sure they can. And Kirk does some amazing swiveling in his chair, and then he engages in a bout of what can only be called Kirk bowling, which I made Ari rewind and watch twice. <laughs>
0: oh my god, I knew you would love this. I hated because it. Basically, Kirk is standing across the room from like four or five guards. Yep. He's take- standing there armed. He takes two steps and shoves one of them, and they all fall down. He
2: <laughs> trips into one guard pushes the other two over and then all of a sudden he's got weapons in the upper hand it's a split it was oh my god i know (sighs) absurd i saw it i was like oh yeah Corinne loved that oh she did i could watch that loudly
0: and enthusiastically again and again and again so
1: now that kirk has the upper hand
0: i didn't start this but i'm liable to finish it and he says
1: war is death and disaster and horror and to be avoided at all costs, and you have made it neat and painless, and you have now you have no reason to avoid it. Yeah, and it's true. Why would they stop?
0: Yeah, there's why, absolutely why no would reason. This
1: planet stop. They would continue on and on and on and on and yeah. on. Yeah, for another for fa- for, for another five hundred years. Yeah, nothing is going to stop. There is them.
0: absolutely no motivation to stop. No, because why would you? Yeah, I think this is also. I mean, this is again. Hey, look, it's also a cold war metaphor. <laughs> It's it's true. It's like oh well, you're in a constant state of aggression and terror. Except you've made the terror normal. Yes. You've made you've made the aggression normal. You've made the prospect of death normal and sanitary.
1: And so Kirk is going to end it for you. So yep. he blows up their war machine, and he's like, "Well, congratulations. You're about to get the horrors of war. You're going to rage real war now. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. They will destroy you, Kirk. Out.
2: Or or." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> good Whoa. part well done
1: all i am saying is give peace a chance <laughs> here's ambassador khaki he's got khaki for
0: miles mm-hmm, mm-hmm. have you considered chatting to them
2: have you heard of
0: diplomacy and ambassador khaki this is where his personality transplant happens yeah is super excited and friendly and helpful because he's finally getting a chance to do his job Maybe that's why he was such a dick face before. He has only one mode. He has thwarted ambitions. Yeah. Just wants to diplomacy. (laughs) Just wants to diplomacy. Why is everyone trying to stop him? So hard. And apparently
1: they have a direct line to the enemy that they... Have the whole time. Had the whole time, just had no reason to use it. Nope. And so... That was nice, wasn't it?
0: I like... I really liked... This whole chunk is really a lot of little bits of good dialogue. Yes. Like, uh... There can be no peace. We've admitted it to ourselves. We're a killer species. The same as you. It's instinct. And Kirk's like, it's instinct. But we can stop it. Yeah. We can admit to it that we're killers, but we're not going to kill today. Which is another one of those deep-seated Star Trek things. Yeah. About the nature of humanity and how, yes, fundamentally we probably suck, but the thing about being human is that you can choose what you do and what you care about and what you allow to influence you.
1: Yes. So back up on the ship, O'Hara reports that the outlook
0: is hopeful. Yes. Excellent. (laughs) They they leave Ambassador Khaki Jerkface behind.
1: And Spock is like, whoa. Yeah. That was quite a trip. That turned around fast. Yeah. Kirk is
0: like, well, they killed three million people a year. Yeah. This is where the math comes in again. It was a calculated risk. (laughs) Apparently a very well calculated risk.
1: Good deal. So they had to do something to avoid war. Yeah. And
2: so, yeah. Then they quip at each other, and then we get the tinkly oh yes. ho ho, everything's fine music. Down. The quip out. The quip yeah. out. Yeah, and and that
1: that that is that. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, I wrote,
0: cannot argue logic, but what a gamble. It's underlined three times.
1: It's well worth it. So yeah. um,
2: performance of the episode, Kim. I'm gonna say Barbara Babcock because, just because I loved her character. Like, I mean, she actually didn't do a whole hell of a lot, no. and she just sort of vanished from the last part yeah. of the episode. Yeah, but it's Barbara Babcock. Just sort of leave her behind like, in a hallway. Barbara Babcock. She's got a great face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you I'm- have given it to Kirk for less.
1: <laughs> I have not. I'm- I always have my reasons. All right. I'm actually giving it to Kirk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's not that big a deal when I do it. I like Kirk.
1: Um, I'm actually gonna give it, give it to, uh... Are you giving it to a on
0: No, I'm giving
1: it to Leonard Nimoy. Really? I, I was very surprised because when I was watching this episode, obviously my default is Kirkety Kirk, Kirk, But when I was watching this, I thought he did some really interesting things. Uh, like, really subtle, like, at the horror of the whole situation and... I thought he did some good work in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the gentleman who played him on was also fine, but yeah, I, I really people.
0: liked that um, Spock. Basically, from the beginning of this episode, he's told how the society works. He's like, "That's ridiculous," and he doesn't shift the whole episode. He's no. like, "Let me explain to you why that's insane."
1: Well, it's because it, it, it is the facade of logic. Yeah, and he hates that. Yes. Um, so, life lessons, Kim.
2: Oh my god! A life lesson from this episode. Um, war sucks. <laughs>
0: you mean war is hell? Yeah, I do actually. Yes, <laughs> war is hell. Yeah, uh, Ari. I think I said it already. Which is, um, it's the the Star Trek message for this episode for this week is the the human instincts may not necessarily be good for us, but the cool thing about being human is that you can make a choice to be better.
1: Mine is going to be that Risk destroys friendships, families, and entire civilization. And that's why we're not allowed to play it.
0: Or more specifically, why you two aren't allowed to play it. It's
1: not even allowed in the house. No. 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 Uh, Ari, your count? Uh,
0: eight women, eight ladies, and two people of color. No Sulu. No Sulu. we've no. seen Sulu in a couple of episodes. No, no, no. we, had, we had Uhura, and we had Tamara. Alright.
1: No, uh, Kim, death count?
2: One to three, three million people a year. <laughs>
0: I guess that depends if you count, like, the math dead people versus the people who actually managed to annihilate themselves. Oh, God. So, like, hypothetically, half a million people within the body of the episode.
1: I think this episode then definitely gets the highest. Oh, so death far, count. for
0: sure. If you're counting the theoreticals. Also, we don't know how many people managed to disintegrate themselves before, you know, Kirk and Spock started. That's why I'm going with a death count of one
2: to three million people <laughs> a year. Yeah.
0: Lord, that's grim. <laughs> that is really grim. It's at least. Yeah. Oh,
2: yeah. Very grim. Uh Well this is down our way then the episode. Well that
1: uh, hug your loved ones. Try talking things out.
0: Live your life to the fullest because tomorrow you might have to walk into a disintegration chamber or or just <laughs> say no. <laughs> That's a good one.